0: We have been in this series titled Principles from Ruth, where we have been uncovering some precious principles that will make a difference in your life and mine. This is the final message in this series, and I'm convinced that if the men and women of faith, the children of God, will embrace these principles, it will change their life forever. Today, I want to preach from the subject, The Reward for Faithfulness. Uh, found in Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 through 22. A couple of things we want to accomplish in this message. The first is to show how the Lord rewarded Ruth for her faithfulness. The second is to extrapolate from this text the principle that endures for all time, and then to show us how that principle can be manifested in your life and mine today. Let's look at the text. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. Now, these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nation. Nation fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. What a tremendous passage that we get from these verses. Uh, The book of Ruth is about redemption and how one can move or has moved beyond uh, the rights and privileges within the law of Judaism to redeem back property and to gain for himself a wife. I want us to look first at how God rewarded Ruth's faithfulness. The first thing he did is God gave her a husband. You'll recall that uh, when she married uh, Malon, uh, he died. God now gives her a husband. In Ruth chapter 413, the Bible says, So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. What she lost God now restores. The next thing that God does for her is that God gives her an heir. Ruth bears a son. She had previously been married for 10 years and had been barren. Now God gives her an heir. The Bible says again in Ruth 4.13, And he went into her, that is her husband Boaz. But it was the Lord who gave conception. The Bible says that the Lord opens and he closes wombs. The third thing that God did was he gave her a heritage. She, as a Moabite, had no heritage in Judaism because she was a foreigner. God gives her a heritage. Through her offspring, the Bible says in verses 21 and 22, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, Jesse fathered David. The last thing that God gives her in this text is he gave her honor. A husband, an heir, heritage, and honor. We don't see that in the passage of Ruth, but we do see it in the Gospel of Matthew when the lineage of Jesus is given. In chapter 1, verse 5, we have this echoed again, what we just saw in Ruth, uh, chapter 4. And Salmon, father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse. Here we see. Uh, this this honor, a foreigner, being included in the rich divine heritage uh, of the greatest king that Israel has ever known, the earthly king, King David, <clears throat> a man who God said was after his own heart. And then in verse 6, and Jesse, the father of David the king, And David uh, was the father of Solomon by the wife of, of Uriah. The history, the 42 generations that lead up to Jesus, I want you to notice, cannot be told without telling of the story of Ruth. God took one who was outcast, brought her into the fold because she took refuge under his wings and now has given her honor by listing her among the lineage of King David and, down in verse 16, of Jesus Christ himself. As the lineage continues, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. God gave her a husband, an heir, heritage, and honor. Those four things we see so richly displayed in the text of Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 through 22. But what does all of this mean for you and me? There's a principle that is echoed in scripture, and that principle is abundance. That when God rewards faithfulness, he rewards it in abundance. I want you to see it first in Ruth's restoration. Then I want to show you how it works for us. In Ruth's personal restoration, first of all, she was a Moabite. But now she's become the wife of a Bethlehemite. Her offspring would give her a permanent place uh, because women had no inheritance, typically, in the, in Judaism. The fact that she has a, an offspring now, a son, who will care for her, who will honor her as his mother, she has a permanent place. Ruth, as we met her, When she comes to Bethlehem, Judah, she is poverty-stricken and a laborer. Ruth finds rest and abundance, not just in a husband, but in a wealthy husband's house. Ruth was a widow. Now she's a beloved wife, redeemed at a high price. Ruth was barren. We do know that she had been married for 10 years and had been unfruitful. A woman being barren in Judaism, the culture and the customs where they were often shunned and ridiculed and considered to be somewhat of outcast, made fun of and lived in shame. God removes the shame and makes her fruitful. What she lacked. Because of her faith, her refuge in God, God rewards in abundance. This did not happen in isolation, but it's the result of many prayers. In Ruth chapter 4 verse 13, we just saw that verse. The Bible says, so Boaz took Ruth and became his wife, and she became his wife. And he went in to her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. This one verse is the direct answer to many prayers that were prayed. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 8, Naomi prayed. A general prayer for both of her daughters-in-law. Go, each of you, to return to your mother's house, and here's the prayer. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. That answer comes here as she's uh, restored as a wife, restored uh, with a husband, bears fruit. Ruth also prayed. I'm sorry, Naomi also prayed in Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. This is a very specific prayer. Naomi says to to her, my daughter, should not I seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Chapter 3, verse 1, she recognizes that her plight will be as bad as Naomi's unless Ruth finds a husband. And she puts into action what the law allows for a kinsman redeemer to not only buy back the property, but to become husband to this, her widowed daughter-in-law. God answered that prayer in Ruth chapter 4, 13. Boaz prayed in Ruth chapter 2, verse 12. Boaz says, The Lord repay you for what you have done, speaking to Ruth, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. God working through people honoring the prayers of those who are willing to, to dare to trust and believe. Here, God honors that prayer in four thirteen. It says that, that she became she became his wife. And he went into her. Now watch this. And the Lord gave her conception. The elders prayed in Ruth chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. The Bible says, And all the people who were at the gate, and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah. Rachel and Leah, at one time in their life, were barren, and it required the hand of the Lord to open their womb. These two women built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily. In Ephrathah, and be renowned in Bethlehem. And then the elders pray, and may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. Ruth, after 10 years of barrenness, gives birth to a son, Obed. The principle, not saying that God's going to give you a husband or wife, not saying he's going to give you an heir or heritage, not saying that he's going to give you specifically honor, but I am saying that whatever God does in your life, he will reward your faithfulness in abundance. Here's how it works, beloved, for us who live in light of Christ and in the New Testament. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. This verse needs to resonate with every child of God, to know two things based upon what Scripture teaches us and how God rewards faithfulness in abundance. The first thing is don't set any limitations on God. He is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or even imagine. Sometimes we put limitations on how we ask or what we expect from God because our narrowness doesn't allow us to believe that God is able to do it. For example, if you need a thousand dollars, and you don't think a person has a thousand dollars to spare, to give to you, then you probably won't ask. If you assess within your own mind and and believe that they have the thousand dollars but might not be willing to give it to you for whatever reason, then you won't ask. You see, our imaginations and what we think sometimes place limit on what we ask of God. And this verse says, God who rewards faithfulness and rewards it in abundance, don't put any limitations on God. He will not be limited by our label or defined by our definition. Let God be God. The next thing that this verse shows us, says not only is God able to do far more abundantly, but then it says, according to the power at work within us, that means that you and I have no right to be lazy because the power of God is manifested according to the power at work within us. That word work, ergon, where we get the word energy. It requires effort. It, it requires exhaustion. It requires output on our part. Whenever we give God something to work with, he works through us in a super abundant fashion. Don't be lazy. Don't put limitations on God. Why? Why does God require us to work? You know, oftentimes we get so complacent. We're waiting on the Lord, sitting back doing nothing wondering why God hasn't moved and God is waiting on us, asking us, where is your faith? Put your faith in action and see the power of God. We see that all throughout scripture. Moses, when he was leading the children of Israel out of the wilderness of Egypt, God said, take them by way of the Red Sea. That's the route that God chooses. Moses leads them that way. They get to the Red Sea. The people start complaining. You brought us out here to drown. What on earth are we going to do? Moses does the right thing. He talks to God. God, what are you going to do? God talks to Moses. Moses, what do you have? God answers back. All I've got in this rod. God says to Moses, use it. And when he stretched out that rod in faith, God superabundantly parted the Red Sea dried up the ground so they could walk across on dry land. David, when facing Goliath, did not pray for fire to come down from heaven to destroy him, but took what he had, a slingshot and five smooth stones. Not because he needed five for Goliath, but because Goliath had four brothers. All I need is one stone for you, and all I have to do is put it in the air And God will put his power behind it. Beloved, don't put any limitations on God. And don't you be lazy. God works through people. God rewards faithfulness. Faith could be explained as anxious anticipation predicated on the word of God followed through with action. Why does God require this of you and me? Plain and simple, God has a purpose. Ephesians 3.21 says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God does it by working through us Able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or even imagine. According to the power that is at work in us. Why does God do it? For lasting glory. So that when people see the power that is displayed among the men and women of faith, the church, they see God in us is for his lasting glory. God saved you, not because he was lonely in heaven, but he saved you to commission you to make a difference. He's called us to be world changers. We're described as salt and light. Salt and light both make a difference. If light does not dispel darkness, it's useless. If salt doesn't preserve and protect and make a difference in what is brought into proximity with, it's useless. God called you and me to change the world. And it can begin today as you surrender your life to him, knowing that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The songwriter said all to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live I surrender all I surrender all all to you my blessed Savior I surrender all withholding nothing. Give your life to Jesus. Let the power of God go to work within you. Let his power be made manifest in you as you join other followers of Jesus who are determined to change the world. God bless you.